What is up? What is up? What is up? Wait, you're probably wondering. Hold on a second. This isn't Edmonton. This is game over Vancouver. And you know what? You'd be right. And you're looking at your boy, Avery Lewis McDougal, here on game over Vancouver as the emergency backup host because everybody else in Vancouver is away and can't do the show. So your boy got tapped to take over and do the show tonight. Welcome. Hope you're having fun. Vancouver with a big 2-0 win over the Dallas Stars. Thatcher Demko got a wonderful shutout. And I'm joined by one of the funnier people on Canucks Twitter. He's a oh, member. Oh, that's so sweet. And I mean that. He's a member of the Pucks on Net podcast. It is Arash from Mars the Day. Arash, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, buddy? Welcome to Game Over Vancouver. Again, you've been here before. You were on last year with Sam. Yeah, I've been here with uh, with a few of the crew, and I always love my time here because uh, it's it's. I think every time I've come, it's like relatively mid despair, and this is the first time that I've come where I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to temper expectations here just a little bit. But we can we can we can go for pizza. We can have cake. I just don't know if we can we can we should book the entire holiday. But like, listen, vibes are good here. And we should be having fun and enjoying ourselves. Congratulations, Canucks Nation. We <laughs> might be good again. No, you you guys might be good. You guys got your eighth one of the season. A strong performance in which I mentioned a 2 nothing win after the Dallas Stars dummy the Empton Oilers. They come on the road to continue their road trip. They get shut down. Thatcher Demko had a wonderful performance in net tonight. And watching the Vancouver Canucks before we get too deep into things, you know, just watching this team on the power play, Arash, yep. I'm seeing a team that looks like they know what they're doing on the man advantage. They're getting shots on net, left, right, and center from everybody on this board. This is a power play that is looking pretty scary so far. Yeah, so it's 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 always funny every time this some, we, we talk about... Uh like getting shots on that. I always have to stop myself from saying getting pucks on that <laughs> and doing in a, doing a, a obligatory uh, ad read for ad the read. show. Yeah. Um, but no, so the thing I would, I would really punctuate with, with what the current state of connects hockey is, especially when you're looking at the power play, um, you are looking at a power play that all it had to do was, was just incorporate movement within, within their power play. So it wasn't just, you have JT Miller on one wall, Elias Patterson there, and okay, yeah, Bo Horvat on the bumper, or now Brock Besser in the bumper, or, or Kuzmenko as they fluctuate. Now you're seeing set patterns and them kind of reading off each other. And now Quinn Hughes has a shot. Um, Quinn Hughes has developed a point shot and 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 uh, shot volumes. Brock Besser has has been incorporated in being kind of um, both net front. But also getting a bit of his shot back in terms of you know uh, just from the hash mark areas like being that kind of uh, danger there. Um, and you're, I don't know how to explain it, Avery. It's like they just they just have this belief. Like I don't know what happened in the room. I don't know what happened during the summer. I don't know if it exactly is Rick talking coming and uh, being like, hey, kids and cool kittens and kitties. This is called accountability and we're going to be accountable with each other. So that means when you make a mistake, uh, you, you, you know, you just got to be better about it the next time. Um, 
so I'm trying to temper as much expectation as I have because I've I've talked about um I've talked about how it is really odd really odd to to kind of look at this Canucks team at this moment and not just be waiting for the bottom to fall out. And I don't know if I'm I'll throw it back to you. When you're watching this Canucks team, are you are you are you seeing them? I, I'm I'm sure you know covering the Oilers and everything. You've also seen this team and um, their attempts to play professional hockey the last few years. Um, did you see tonight them like there are parts where they bent, mm-hmm. but they didn't completely break as lot you know years previous. No, I agree with that. And you saw Dallas get their chances in high danger slots. You saw them get their chances on Dem- on Demko and. This team didn't break because in, in years past, we've seen the struggles of this Vancouver Canucks team with uh, Patrick Alvin as GM. We saw the horrors of the Jim Benning era, and in years past, we got, this would have been a tire fire. But no, you're seeing a Canucks team that's starting to improve defensively, a team that cleans up their mistakes, and a team that really should be considered a possible, I don't want to say, I don't think I can say contender yet. But they'll make a team. Oh, I don't say, just say it. Just we'll clip it and we'll we'll just say it. It's November. It's for like how many months really are left? We're pretty much there. Oh, right. right. But, you know, this is a team. The more I watch Vancouver, you know, I thought last year was going to be their playoff year. I was very wrong in that. I was so wrong about that. But oh, yeah. this year. We were all wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> You're not the only one. We're, we, we were all wrong. No, it, it's It's totally fine. No, this year, seeing this team now, uh, 8-2-1, and one, and still getting better. I mean, we saw the first goal, the Brock Besser goal, which that was a great play by JT Miller, breaking that play up, getting that pass to Besser. I'm seeing a team that will, and I'm going to say it now here on Game of Vancouver, this is a team that I think will be a playoff team, either via the wild card or the number three seed in the Pacific, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I... You you have to understand. I'm coming from a place of tremendous PTSD when it comes to this team. Um, so it it listen. You can't you can't blame us. So for the last decade, the, the, there's really only two. There's three highlights I can think of. One is the Miller Verbata year where they made the playoffs and then they got killed in six games because Matt Stajan had bloodlust in his eyes as a Calgary Flame. Two, um, the bubble year where I don't think people really understand um, before, right before COVID or I believe, yeah, right before COVID hit, um, the Canucks were going into March and flailing. They were completely flailing. And if it wasn't for the NHL coming and saying, yeah, we're going to expand playoff playoff teams by like two or three or four, and then we're going to have the plan rounds. The Canucks don't make the playoffs just strictly based off point percentage. And then the last thing was Bruce, there it is, in where we... We were all depressed, drunk, and we all came up with a uh, a funny chant for a coach that we all bow- bound around. And um, that's really the last 10 years. That's really the happiness that we've had. So when I'm coming, I'll agree with you. I think this team, I'm I'm looking at Calgary. I'm looking at Edmonton, um, especially Calgary. I know Edmonton's probably, you know, they'll they'll wake up and they'll figure it out oh. and Connor David or whatever. Um, but I've also seen Jonathan Hubero attempt to play hockey this year, and I'm like, that ain't it. That you're rich, but that ain't it, pal. Um, so yeah, of course I, I'm 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 my foot's on the wagon. I think I've bought a ticket. It's not an express ticket. It's not a first class ticket. But I'm riding coach. 
and I think I have. It's partly refundable, so I got some some leeway there. Um, but yeah, when you're you know when you're looking at the Canucks and how they're playing, you're looking at act, act like the biggest thing is active sticks, um, puck pressure, supporting the F one, like so, just supporting players on the forecheck, um, and and really they're winning board battles down low. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at players like um, Sam Lafferty, Dakota Joshua's kind of turned it up a bit, but um, you look at this third line with Niels Ho- Hoaglander, uh, Hugh Suter, and uh, Connor Garland. That's been effective. That you know, you we saw Suter again have a, a second goal of the year this year. Um, so yeah, hopefully, you know what they they go, they can keep the ball rolling. They're not going to win every game. They're not going to keep up this pace um, unless Demko completely stands on his head again in December. But uh, they've created a great situation and position for themselves starting out. And uh, they can hit a couple bumps and, and bruises as every team does. But this is the start they've needed forever. And I'm glad they finally have. No, of course. And the big thing, we've seen Vancouver now, Rash, come in and beat teams in their division and in mm-hmm. their conference. They had gotten wins against Edmonton twice. We saw the 8-1 pummeling. They came, went back to Edmonton, won in Edmonton. And now they beat a very good Dallas Stars team. And that's the thing. If you want to be a playoff, if you want to be a playoff team, that can surprise somebody, win a few games, win a playoff round. you got to find a way to beat teams in your conference. And so far, Vancouver's done it. They've done it quite a bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you, you're looking at these teams. So when they, they were starting off, um, especially against their loss against Philadelphia, we were seeing them win and lose games in such a broad perspective. So they win eight one. They lose or they win four to three against Edmonton. Win eight one against Edmonton. Um, then they lose, I believe, against Philly and Tampa. And you're seeing kind of, you know, they're losing to teams they should beat. They're beating teams they shouldn't beat. They are really beating teams they 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 shouldn't beat. And then pretty much after the Philly game, we started seeing the course correction. And I think it comes to tonight. They played Dallas straight up. This is two teams that were 7-2-1. and one. Um, Both have amazing goaltending. Both have franchise-defining defensemen. I would give a, you know, a, a nod to Vancouver's forward depth and then um, you know, a, a bigger nod to Dallas's defensive, uh, defensive core. But they played them straight up, and they won. And this wasn't I, – I can't come here and say that Dallas, uh, Dallas played really badly, and that's why Vancouver was able to take advantage – these two teams played the, each other straight up. I bet if they were in a seven-game series, they they would go to seven games. Um, but that you know that's that that was the brummer that that was the that was the that was the the limit that they needed to kind of address and say, are we for real? Is this are we get are is this a giant fluke? Is it just the hockey gods giving us something after a decade in misery? Um, but no, I, th- I think. Uh, yeah, like could they be for real, Avery? Like I, I, I don't know. I just I I feel like uh I feel like this person. I I feel like uh that oh, what was it Shawshank Redemption, um when he's finally released yeah. out of prison and he's like <laughs> I don't know like I'm seeing cars everywhere. I don't know when I was here you oh I only saw one car and now everyone has a car and now I just I don't know what a win is. Are wins good? Are you we supposed to win every game? Um, it's a weird trip. Weird, but I'm glad to be on it. I can imagine. I want. I also want to point out that right now, it is a Saturday night, and there's 103 people 
watching us live right now on a Saturday night. Yo, what what up, Canada, on a Saturday night in November? What's up? I want to applaud the people who said, you know what? I'm not going to go to a bar. I'm not going to go out. No. I'm going to stay home and watch Game Over Vancouver on the SDPN platform. I, do you guys, like, listen, as a person who's, like, spent majority of their 20s like going out on saturday nights and just being like that arty art party uh after party kid um you guys made a great decision you're saving money true you're talking you're talking to two beauties uh speaking about the sport we love and uh if majority of you are from vancouver like guys like just just embrace it let it wash over you just soak it in. I can't promise you what's going to happen in a couple days, but I can promise you right now they're eight two or what? Are, yeah, they're eight two and one. Eight two and one. Um, and they got listen. They got some. They got some room to lose, and we'd still be happy. Like they could be eight five and one, and we'd be like, oh yeah, no, they're pretty good. Like they got some padding, so enjoy it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how ferocious Edmonton's going to be in the next month coming back. No, exactly. No, uh, don't worry, y'all. We'll get to them in a second. But I do want to, me- I do want to mention too. Oh hard. yeah, we're we're getting to Edmonton. <laughs> don't worry. I I have waited for so long not to dunk on Edmonton, but I just want to. I just want to like. It's like you're sitting down with the person who scored like five points against you. My Botchford, uh, my Botchford night. Yes, was an amazing experience. Not only because I got got to meet so many people in Vancouver media. But it was also this hilarious thing where I can tell my kids that I went to a hockey game in an arena where no one, no fans were allowed. But also, Connor McDavid single-handedly destroyed the Canucks in in, in, what, in, a, in a bubble game. And the highlight for the Canucks was Jack Rathbone stopped a two-on-one. And I was like, sick. So you can say this is my prolonged payback uh, to the Edmonton Oilers uh, uh, coming up. I gotta say, you know what? I this was this was literally before I was credentialed to cover the Oilers, but I so I watched a lot of those games at home. We were starting up Zone Time on Yahoo, and yeah. I gotta say that year, I remember how people were telling you, "Oh, it's gonna be fun." All oh, all Canadian division by week two of that season, <laughs> I was so sick of the same team so over and done. over again. I was so done. I was like. It's like it's like you think like oh man you know it'd be great if they only put coffee crisp and Kit Kat in one of those Halloween boxes and then you realize that sometimes you need an arrow and a smarty right sometimes you need the Minnesota Wild and the Anaheim Ducks in there just to feel a little better <laughs> you know like you just don't like I was dying to see a game against against the Tampa Bay Lightning just to give you something different because yeah as as funny as it was to see the Oilers beat Ottawa. 15-1 every game. Like, it was it was redundant. It was like, enough. We know Ottawa sucks this year. Enough. I don't need to see another seven-point night from McDavid against Ottawa's eight-string goaltender. Yeah, it was the Hamburglar. <laughs> it was the Hamburglar getting beaten to death by the Homer Hamburglar. And uh, that it's like, stop, stop. He's already dead. I mean, yeah, that uh, the Canadian Canadian division, I mean, as a Canucks fan, was just like, I'll never forget Braden Holtby staring down JT Miller against the Toronto Maple Leafs for not back checking. And I'm like, you know, maybe there, maybe this is a problem. Maybe, maybe this should not happen against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, I, I'm glad they figured it out. I'm glad they kind of have figured it out. What is, 
What is the sentiment now like with JT Miller? Because it seems like every mm. other, like over the, his tenure with the Canucks, it seems like for the most part, one day Canucks fans hate him, next day Canucks fans love him, and tonight we saw his play set up the first goal of the game for Besser, and again, it was back to Canucks fans love JT Miller. So how right. has sentiment been this year with JT Miller on this roster, Arash? I think the thing with JT Miller that's always frustrated people is that if you're going to have, you know, your heart on your sleeve and you're going to be extremely fiery and you're going to expect more out of people and then all that, it's twofold. One was you can't show your frustration out on the ice. You can't do that, especially when, you know, JT Miller of, of the yesteryears uh, would, you know, give a turnover or something bad would happen. And then instead of backchecking, he to do you know, a theater kid slouch just to make sure everyone saw that he's disappointed and then he'd go back check. Um, and that kind of added on top of itself. And the correlating part to that was if you're going to have that high expectation, you have to win. You have to, you have to, you can't just come and have a pissy attitude all the time. Sorry, Leon. You can't have that, that attitude all the time when, um, you know, you're holding such a high expectation. Now it's become a detriment to your overall game. What's happened, I think, is that JT Miller is, has found someone in Rick Tockett that was him. Like, mm-hmm. Rick Tockett was, in parcel and part, sort of like a, a, a JT Miller prototype. Now, I'll say Rick Tockett of his time, but it was a different time. It was a different game. Yes, it was. Um, in terms of being a, a gritty forward. But, like, the, we'll talk, let's, the, the perfect example was the benching in that. It's against, uh, oh, was it Nashville? Yeah, so it's against Nashville. He has three minor penalties. He's benched for the last three minutes of the second. And then he comes back in the third, starts with JT Miller. There's no, that is how you have to calibrate JT Miller. He's not going around doing stupid stuff because he's stupid. He's doing it because he wants to be engaged. He's trying to find where the line is. He's trying to... Nash, you know, expresses frustration out on the ice through his play, but sometimes, depending on what the vibe is, it, it can it can it can go either way. In that game, he was going across the line where he's taking minor penalties and it was a detriment to his team. Goes to the locker room, he's benched for three minutes, goes to the locker room. Rick Tockett said it himself. They hashed it out. JT Miller apologized. He apologized. They he needed that little bit of a timeout just to cal- recalibrate. We all need it. Like we all, there's a reason why psychiatrists tell you count to 10 and being Iranian, that is, is a fundamental thing because we're always at a 10. We need the 10 seconds to just bring ourselves down. Cause we're so high energy and we're, we're <laughs> all there all the time. Um, that you, you, he has this block, he has that break and what happens? He comes back in the third scores a goal. And we, that of yesteryear, I don't, I uh, previous seasons. That doesn't happen with JT Miller. JT Miller had to calibrate himself. And sometimes sometimes that's probably not the best thing, especially when you're trying to find where middle is. Sometimes it's great if you have someone who can be your North Star to be like, hey, as every one of us need a great partner in life to come to us and say, hey, um, you might not see it, but you're a little ahead of yourself or you're a little behind yourself or you're to the left or right. And I think Rick Tockett has just done a, an amazing job in... Um, understanding who JT Miller is and not necessarily babying him, but just getting someone that understands 
and and knows how to handle things and, and knows how to temper um temper the waters per se and sorry to finish your question about fans um yeah just winning winning solves a lot winning solves a lot and now they're eight two and one we haven't seen really a lot of miller gaffs he's he's been engaged he's become this two-way force year again previous years five on five you you completely write him off he's a power play machine that's oh my god this contract's awful well, they're getting eight million dollars worth of value out of him now and he's only 30 so i mean sorry to say he's only 30 but um yeah and just within the scope of that deal like hey they're getting their money's worth now and fans are fans are happy yeah no that's that that's a good way of putting it winning winning solves a lot and this team keeps on winning He'll be mayor by June. So, <laughs> <laughs> can JT Miller solve the housing crisis in Vancouver? I think he can. <laughs> I think he can. I think if 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 he can solve the Vancouver Canucks like he has, um, someone can give us affordable housing. Uh, so that maybe one day, uh, we can I don't know, buy some grapes as a as a treat. That would be nice. <laughs> I mean, just seeing how Vancouverites are, I think he might. I mean, he, he might. He might be Ken. He might be Ken Sim. Doesn't make him super relate him. So I would. I, I mean, I don't want to get political, but if JT, <laughs> if they told me tomorrow that Ken Sim, the uh, uh, Vancouver's Vancouver's Wish dot com Elon was replaced by JT Miller, I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> I love this man's ideas. I don't know what his platform is, but I'd vote for him. Oh my goodness. And also, and Vancouver's other son, Elias Pedersen, he scores tonight to make it 2 nothing. And once again, Elias Pedersen has stepped up and once again, he's been that shining light for the Canucks. What are your thoughts on uh, on this play scores against Knights for Vancouver? Okay, like, well, no, and... you're you're throwing it my way. You're also you're also my my you know West Coast partner here. Sure. Um, like you watched. The, I hope you watched the game too. I hope of you course. weren't oh, just absolutely. I hope you just weren't watching Moneyball again, like every man does on a Saturday night when we're bored. We just put on Moneyball and we're like, ah, <laughs> love you, Billy Bean. Yeah, you changed the game. What do you how how are you perceiving from a person outside of Vancouver? How are you perceiving Elias Pettersson? He's personally, he's a guy I think Vancouver has to find a way to lock up long. Like you cannot let him leave. You cannot let him leave. I know Twitter oh, loves to man. make those jokes. Twitter loves to make the jokes about ah uh, Pettersson's gonna go somewhere else. It's not gonna work out. This is a guy who has twenty points, eleven games. Vancouver has to find a way to keep him in that franchise long term somehow you have to if if this year listen if this year ends with a trevor zegers for elias Pettersson swap i i swear to god i just no um no it's just like I get it. Like I, yeah. I understand Elias Pettersson's perspective at the start of the year because yes. flat, just total flash for everyone. Players have the autonomy to, to autonomy to say, "Thank you for drafting me. Thank you for paying me up to now. Mm-hmm. I have one career and one life, and I don't want to spend it like I have. Let's say with the Canucks doing whatever the heck it is they've been doing for the past, you know, five five, six, seven, whatever years since, well, Elias Pettersson has been here five years. Let's just say five. Yeah. You know, he, he has the autonomy to say that. And no one in Vancouver, if this, if this team was two, seven and one, instead of the uh, seven, two and one coming into tonight, 
no one can argue if Elias Pettersson came and said, listen, guys, like, I'm I, I'm scoring goals. I'm scoring all this stuff. System stuff is not happening. Uh, something is rotten in Denmark. I don't know. This ha- the Rogers Arena is haunted. Like I, you need a, a ghost whisper. I don't know. Um, and then he wants to move on. Like yeah, you can be upset, but you can understand. They're eight two and one now, primarily based on the facts of Elias Pettersson has has maintained or exceeded uh, how he's played last year. Quinn Hughes has become the captain that this market needs in terms of he, he's he's Marcus Naslin with an ability to speak and I, and I say this really politely in terms of Marcus Naslin but Quinn Hughes when when Quinn needs to say something to the media to uh to the rest of the players he'll say it he might not be boisterous he might not be super loud we've we've heard this um you know, a great perspective was, you know, when he he in September was given the captaincy and he brings up um, how his great grandfather uh, was a firefighter in New York. And he, they, they brought it brought it up during 9-11 and he just brought it up because he he's like, this is something that needs to be said. And he did. And now what's happening now is that he's putting everyone in the East Coast on notice. Every person that's already asleep right now, not watching Quinn Hughes. He's 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 saying I'm more than just a Keith Yandel. I'm I, I I'm more than just a, a a dude you saw in the Canadian division when I was younger yeah. and uh, didn't really have too much help. Um, he's put that put the entire league on notice, and I think you know he's coming by by New Year. You know we'll, we're really going to be pushing the the Quinn Hughes Norris votes there, and then Thatcher Denko is is not only healthy, but I would also give a credit to Casey DeSmith in that. They have a tandem they can rely on. I don't think they're here. Spencer Martin is the backup. I don't think they're at eight, two, and one. Um, and you look at the additions of Carson Susie, Ian Cole, like these band-aids are working. Ian Cole, wow. Like this team, how amazing this team would be if they had Philip Heronic, Quinn Hughes, and then four Ian Coles. Just four Ian Coles. Just everyone else. Just let Philip, uh, Philip Heronic and Quinn Hughes do their thing. And then just have four Ian Coles who make low event, um, low risk plays until the top pairing can come back out. And so, um, yeah, that, that at least that's that's the viewpoint of like what what's cooking for the Canucks. That's what I can see. Um, and congrats to the Canucks fans at Rogers Arena tonight. I just want to give them a shout out. Like um, they made the wave look cool. Like I was I was watching. I, I'm a giant pessimist. So anytime I'm in the arena, I see the wave. I'm just like. You know, I'm just like this. Oh man, they're trying to get me out of my seat. No way, I'm not. No, I'm not doing this for Derek Pouliot. Get out of here. Um, yeah, great, great, great on the crowd. Great on Canucks fans for having a really great time at Rogers Arena tonight and, and rocking the barn. Well done. No, no, of course. You mentioned Quinn Hughes. I know there was the talk about. I think when season began, people were suggesting, "Oh, uh, Quinn Hughes. He's too young to be the captain. He's not ready yet." Yeah, they said the third. I think he's showing. He's probably the most confident guy on his roster. He's more ready than ever to be a captain. And I watch him. Yeah. I watch Finn and Blue Line. That is a very confident D man. That is a guy who absolutely should be near the top of the Norris Trophy voting. Even watching Game One against Edmonton, like this is a guy again, 23 years old, and you swear he's been in the league for 15 years with how he plays in that back end rush. Yeah, it's in. It's insane. Like I, I. I... He made one mistake tonight. I believe it was on the power play and it was a cross ice pass that got picked off. 
I mean, it was during a power play, and so uh, it wasn't too high danger. It was just kind of like a dump chase back. But th- that happened, and it was so jarring that I I, I told my dad. I, I come and I watch hockey dance with my dad just as a force of habit. And then I just turned to him. I'm like, that is like the first time I've seen Quinn make an, uh, like a slight uh-uh. Um, and it, it was just, it really kind of dawned on me. I'm like, yeah, he just does, does, doesn't make mistakes. And he plays, he seemingly plays high event hockey, but he doesn't do it in a way that let's say Tyler Myers does it where it's like, okay, he's going, God help us. He's going. It's Quinn is like in control. He's cool as a cucumber. Like he, he just has such a command and of the game and understanding the flow and tempo of how things are going. Um, Yeah. Uh, and I think he he is he we we do argue about how you know who should have been the captain if it's JT Miller or if it's Leas Paris. They made the great choice in Quinn Hughes. It is it is very clear that it should be Quinn. It's someone who's on the ice you know nearly half the game every game, um, and not only yeah not only is he proving it with his play but again it's just like when there comes a time when you need someone to speak up. Um, you don't need the guy that's constantly speaking up about every little thing. You need the guy who is playing 30 minutes. He's dead tired. He's not being raw, raw, but if he needs to say something, he'll stand up and be like, Hey guys, WTF. And then everyone listens. Um, see, and at 23 years old, it is ridiculous. Avery, isn't it a little ridiculous? Maybe this is just showing how awful Vancouver Canucks, uh, uh, draft history is that like a 23, he's 23 and he's like, one season away from holding every single conceivable Canucks defenseman record. <laughs> that, crazy. that is that is very crazy. And considering again, being someone who is from Edmonton, saw the records that were held here, seeing that he's 23 years old and near the top already, that that is that blows my mind. But it also yeah. goes, goes to show on the flip side how good he is and how ready he is to be an elite defenseman in this league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm listen. I, I also have it in the back of my mind, you know, he has three years left after this. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how things go. Um, but it's, it's, I'll just say that it's, it's about, it's about time they started to win. It's about time they started to figure out what was exactly wrong and what they needed to lock into and believe. Um, because, you know, there comes a time when, this season in particular, like you're looking at Demko after this two years. Yeah, Hughes with three. Elias Patterson is an RFA. Um there would a there would be a lot of hard questions to answer if they didn't start off at least five hundred. Like it, listen, if they came out and were five hundred, I think a lot of us would take that and we'd be like, Okay, well, at least they're not, they didn't lose their first six straight games, you know, out on the road. Like, okay. Um, so it's great. It's I don't know how to explain it. it. We were, I think Avery, the way I can describe it is we were all expecting to have the end is nigh discussion by now. And I think I, I not because of the uh, Vancouver Canucks fans and their market being pessimists. I think we do it as a protective measure. I think when that happens, after what we've been through in the last 10 years, um, it sucks to go through this kind of pain. And, and, and as you know, Edmonton Oiler fans can even attest like, mm-hmm. Hey, you can get as many first overall picks as you want, but like if something's rotten in the water, something's rotten in the water. 
And it, you know, sometimes, yeah, it does take Connor McDavid to come to really reset everything. Um, but I think you're seeing a Canucks fan base that is more active than ever. They're joyous. They're fun. Like you're, you're seeing the memes, you're seeing people like our top meme poster, I think probably besides me and Lachlan Irvin is Mr. Booth, the iconic Mr. <laughs> Booth. Booth, he came back. He did. He came back. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's my hero. And I'm pretty sure they're younger than me. Like sick. Love that. Um, so people are having fun and and it's really, I don't know, it's it's just nice not to have the same doom and gloom discussion we've had for the last decade. So this is it's nice to be able to jump on the show with you and like literally not talk about uh okay, so what can we get for Tyler Mars at the deadline? Because that's her only asset. Okay. <laughs> Although I will say this much though, when the Canucks have struggled and the Canucks have had their downtimes, that is when Canucks Twitter is by far the funniest. Oh, <laughs> this is a market that knows there's a few markets that know and laugh at themselves very well and Canucks yeah. Twitter is at the top in terms of self-deprecation oh yeah so <laughs> no one knows how much we suck more than us like you want to tell us we suck no there's no way that you know how much we suck more than us and we we I don't know it's again it's Vancouver's this weird thing where it's like you know we're not Toronto we don't have the Stanley Cup wins that Edmonton has um, even the single one that Calgary has, um, you know, we want to be something and we're, throughout our history beyond even 2011, where the big argument with 2011 is, uh, you know, we, why did Edmonton get to be Canada's team in 06, but in 2011, we couldn't be Canada's team, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, we have this weird energy about us where I don't know, it's like us against the world. And, but we really want the world to like us. And maybe because of that, I don't know. There's this kind of reflective thing, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I won't, I won't lie when it's bad. It's also partly really funny, but you do, you do like we watch hockey to get out of the, like come to the other side of the rainbow. Like there has to be a method to madness. You can't just watch a team unless I don't listen. I don't watch football, but I assume a really good part, like a parallel is like the Cleveland Browns, maybe. Where it's like, maybe you just exist to be miserable. And after a while, that's kind of what, how Canucks fans probably felt. It's like, man, we just we just exist. We don't even, we're not here to make the playoffs or really even win a top overall pick. We're just here to make sure that the league has 32 teams. <laughs> and uh, it's just nice to win again. You know, I, I would not compare you to the Cleveland Browns because you made it to a cup final in my lifetime. The Browns have not played for a title in the NFL since the mid '60s, so you're better than them. <laughs> I, I will, I will say the reason I bring up the Cleveland Browns, besides I think Satyar Shah in Vancouver, I, I listen to a lot of Vancouver radio. One of my friends Sat is a huge Cleveland mm. Browns fan. One of my favorite films. This is coming from a person who's a four-year film major, and I say this in all seriousness. One of my favorite absurd films of all time is Draft Day with Kevin Costner. Because it is a movie that bends space and time. It exists in its own rule. It's mm -hmm. so ridiculous and stupid, but they all have so much. They look like they're having so much fun making it. He's, he trades, I think, three years of first round picks to get a first overall pick. And he ends up picking a dude who would have been available at his like sixth overall pick. And I'm like, if anyone did that in real life, they're... 
they not only would be fired, but the team I think would be taken over by the league itself. And just, <laughs> just been like, like, you know, but no, it's Hollywood. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. they buy, they buy into it. It's, it's hilarious. So um, let's hope the San Jose Sharks don't have to have a movie made out of them where they have to get into wacky shenanigans to win. Again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If, if y'all, this is the one, this is the one thing I cannot imagine if we at SDPN right now had a game over San Jose show. <laughs> hey, everyone at the SAP Center, how does it feel? Uh, giving a back-to-back 10-goal game since first time, I believe, since 1965, the Boston Bruins did it. Uh, you're in a special club. <laughs> like, that is, I got to admit, I got to give credit to, to Mike Greer. That is elite-level tanking. That Love is, it. That is masterclass uh, tanking down in the Bay Area right now. Oh, uh, Macklin Celebrini jerseys really just flying off. They were selling those jerseys at the SAP Center. Um, <laughs> but I'm just imagining, like, every, like, imagine being in that being in that arena as a person who paid for a ticket like let's say i don't know you had back-to-back nights where like you were going to games yes at the sap center like can you there is that there's the great thing that not the great thing but there's the photo that trended of the adorable kid with the sign that says my first sharks game and it was like canucks eight sharks zero and then Jeff Patterson had a great tweet where it's like, I really hope they didn't invite that kid back for this game. <laughs> to be like, we'll get, come on, there's no way we can give up 10 again, can we? Yo, that would that would have been jokes to bring that kid back to see your favorite team give up 20 goals in two games. <laughs> I can't I can't even comprehend <laughs> saying that. You gave up 20 goals in two games. That's as much as a Jacques Lemaire 2006 team gave up an entire year. Like, like I, I can't, I can't believe we live in an era where we can actually, like, we live in a day and age where you and I can say that a team gave up 20 goals in two games. That's it, so good. It seems impossible, but the Sharks found a way to do it. So well done. You found a way to unlock an, a next level of tankage. That's impressive, dude. Good. For, like, listen, it. it I joked that Jumbo Jumbo's Joe Thornton, like he could come back from retirement and lead the team in scoring probably at this point. But he, listen, there, yeah, Mike Greer, like you got out of the Carlson deal. Uh, you don't really care that the husk of Mark Edward Vlasic is there. Um, they're rebuilding, man, and they're just gonna go for it, and it's fine. I I personally would love the San Jose Sharks to be a relevant team because I think the California teams are always interesting, just with being a West Coast kid, but. Uh, yeah, Macklin Celebrini. If they don't win the draft lottery, I'm gonna. Oh man, oh man, that's gonna. Oh, that's gonna be brutal. That will. And now, of course, Vancouver. After this game, they're going forward to play Edmonton on Monday night. We see Vancouver. They've already beaten the Oilers twice before. They have a chance to go three and zero in the season against Edmonton. Something that you have not. We've not seen very much in the past couple of years here. And tonight we saw. Edmonton lose five two against Nashville, and just what are your impressions going to that game now? Because I'm I'm on that game with Kaya for game over head to head, so that game might be me getting trolled the entire evening if Edmonton loses again. But just what are your impressions? Because we've seen Vancouver Canucks team play Edmonton right. very well and find a way to have an answer for Jake Woodcroft's team as the season's gone on. I'll I'll give you a very short thing. Um, this is our Super Bowl, in where I'm gonna now. By saying that, I'm going to throw it back to you, mm-hmm. Avery. Like, what 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 happens? What happens if they lose to Vancouver? 
Like, is, is, is it just like the easy thing is, okay, Jay Woodcroft, thank you, but something isn't working and we need to try something different and we're whatever and we need to move on. To Vancouver fans, you know, part of them is like, oh, could we be the, could we be, you know, out of the 99, you know, hits to the rock, can we be the hundredth that breaks the dam? Um, so in your perspective, like, you know, I, what I think, I think Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisett will go crazy and they just, I'm, I'm hedging my bets because I'm, I'm eight, two and one. I can hedge. I can say we might lose a game and I, I'm not going to feel bad. Um, but as someone who covers the Edmonton Oilers, like wh- where, what happens, what happens right now? Like what, what, wh- what road is it, is it going to go down if let's say they, they lose against, uh, against the Canucks? Ooh, wow. I, Unfortunately, you're seeing a lot of comments online of this should be it for Jay Woodcroft. But I'm in the camp of what does that solve? What mm. does Lego Jay Woodcroft solve? It's much deeper right now than Jay Woodcroft. Unfortunately, his team has struggled to get timely saves from Jack Campbell. We saw today again, Campbell had a hard, had a hard time. And this team right now struggles yeah. to defend the rush. And if we're talking to exploit that on Monday night, it will not be an easy game for the Edmonton Oilers. We've seen again, this Canucks team have weapons like a JT Miller, a Brock Besser. Uh, it, Vancouver, it, that, that forward court is one that has impressed me so far. Brock Besser has shown, hey, he might be a legit candidate to be in Rocker Shard race, which I think is a really cool storyline Considering how the past year has gone for him, I think Brock Besser being that race for Rocker Shard would be a really I, I cool think I, he'll take... I think he'll take 30 goals. I think, I think, uh, I love Brock. And as much as I'd love to say that he's a rocket retired nominee, um, man, I think if he, if you're talking to him, he's like, if I can just hit 30, that'll be my rocket Richard. Um, but yeah, it's, it's why I ask is like, yeah, you're, you're, you do make a really great point is like, what does it solve? What I'm, what I'm seeing with the Edmonton Oilers from watching that matinee game is, um, I don't I'm not seeing the the rush chances. I'm not seeing the two on ones. I'm seeing again Jack Campbell, like the Ryan O'Reilly hat trick goal. I'm like, why are you pretending to be Kirk McLean? Like, why are you stacking your pads and flailing around? Like just whole, whole position in your net. Um I don't for the life of me, I'll ask you this. Mm. How on earth is Vincent DRNA still on the Edmonton Oilers? You know what? I can't. I get, don't. <laughs> you know, I can't get too upset with Vincent Dearnay. His game, like there were times last year, yes, in the postseason against LA and against right. Vegas, where he, yeah, he did look lost. He did look like a rookie defender, where the lights were too bright for him at the NHL level. But he's calmed down a bit. I, I like his play against Calgary and Harris Classic. I thought his play um, wasn't that bad, so he is getting better. Mm-hmm. But as a collective. This is still a team that right now is broken. I think what they're they're almost twenty points back in Vegas already for the division lead. That's not a good sign. And I know, I know. No. It's game over no. Vancouver. I won't I won't Oilers it up too much. No, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't understand. This is this is the apartheid. This is the thing after the main course. It's when we get to talk about the flightlessness of the Edmonton Oilers. For Canucks fans, this is basically the the Danish and the coffee after after the seven course meal. We're like, oh, how is that? How is it, how how are people in the other Rogers Arena doing? <laughs> Although it is very funny how 
we are how many stadiums in in Canada, and eighty five percent of them have Rogers slapped on them. I think that is very funny. But, oh God! <laughs> Break up the monopoly, people. Maybe one day. Who knows? <laughs> but it's it's it is so odd because again, like this is. I think for so many fans in this market, they thought we were past the Edmonton Oilers struggling right. beyond beyond McDavid and beyond Drysaddle, and we saw that Evander Kane played well against Nashville. Sam Gagne, ex Canuck, Sam Gagne has played well in his two games after being called up from Bakersfield and signing an NHL deal. But as as cool as it is to see Sam Gagne go to the net and be mm. aggressive, a team with McDavid. Drysdale, Hyman, Kane shouldn't have to rely on Sam Gunny doing that to jumpstart their team. They shouldn't have to. Yeah, they shouldn't have to. And and I I you know we were talking about it before the show. It's that like is there just a regular season fatigue? Mm. Like is this is this one of those years where it's like listen, Leon and Connor they've been doing this for a while. They've been playing twenty five minutes a night and triple quadruple shifts, and they're like. God, if we can just sneak into wild card two, like I'll have more energy for the postseason kind of deal. Like I, I, I just I, I'm really curious. Maybe it's in a room thing. Um, they're just I don't know if it's a systems thing. It's it's really crazy for for me to watch. I think we were looking at an, I was just jotting down or looking at some analytics on my computer where um like they're first in the NHL on five, five V five, like goals expected and, mm-hmm. and all these things like they're generally like they should be scoring more. They're just not getting saves. Um, I'm sure it'll regulate itself and they'll find themselves back regressing to the mean and they'll be fine. Um, but for right now, you know, uh, I have more faith in Edmonton coming back than, uh, from a slow start than I do. If the Canucks had, you know, gone off to a slower start and then they had to kind of climb their, mountain back but i'm uh, yeah i'm really curious what will happen um after after uh canucks and oilers um yeah i just don't i don't know like you're right what does fire and jay woodcroft really solve like is this a crisis of faith like do 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 they need i don't know i'm trying to think of a really funny edmonton oilers person to bring back um (laughs) do they need to like bring back fernando prasani again after they did it during the heritage classic they're like yeah, bring him back again. He scored 14 goals in the play. It's fine. We, we need even more nostalgia. Just cram nostalgia. We'll, we'll something will work. You know, if he wasn't a scout for the Canadians, that might have been a real suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forget man. everyone gets jobs after they retire. I forgot about that. Yes, they do. And before, before we wrap things up, Arash, I do want to just get your thoughts again. Of course, you know, it's emptied up next. But what are your impressions on the schedule going forward now we have? Because now it's Vancouver. Edmonton, and then they're playing Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal. They're going off that way, East Coast swing. Yes, East Coast swing. And again, right now, there is there is room for his Canucks team to lose. But I look at the schedule right now for Vancouver, and I think right now, this East Coast swing, there are winnable games. There are winnable yeah. games right now against Toronto and against Montreal, which Vancouver, they're setting themselves up right now to be in really good shape in the division right now. I really feel here. Yeah, um... I'm going to put my optimist hat on and just say like, yeah, Toronto is Toronto lost. What it was a six, four against Buffalo and mm-hmm. on a late Alex Tuck goal and an empty netter there. Um, Montreal is, you know, has dealt with some, uh, some injury issues, even though listen, if you're a betting person um, and you're of, of age to bet and you're not a member of the national hockey league players association, you 
you place this bet on Tanner Pearson goals over against the Vancouver Canucks, it's happening. Guaranteed money, free money. Bet your mortgage. No, don't do that. Please, please don't put that on my hands. Um, but yeah, that that swing, like they'll play uh, Montreal, um, Ottawa, the Travis Hamannick revenge game. Um, they they have a path to kind of pad their stats, but at the same time, they don't like. This is a Vancouver Canucks team. I don't think they've completely, you know, uh, they they have some room to kind of stumble like every team does. Um, it's especially on a road trip, you know, who knows um, travel and everything how it affects everyone. But I mean, they, yeah, like every they, they do have a path to, you know, go what three and one on the trip. Like I, I don't even want. And I, I brought this up on uh, on pucks on net with my par, a podcast uh, co-host Ryan, where I said the funny discussion that's going to be in Vancouver, and I can't believe we're here already. It was like we're going to get to American Thanksgiving into December, and we're going to be like, okay, if we top ten protect the first pick, we should be okay trade or the our first round pick, we should be okay trading it for like another Philip Peronic, right? Like we should be okay. It's so funny how quickly times change where before we traded one of the auxiliary first from a Bo Horvat trade. And we had people saying this was the greatest, um, you know, this was the greatest crime since the Kennedy assassination. How dare they, how dare they trade us one of their first round picks to now being like, yeah, we can, we screw them kids. We don't need no prospects. We have Akito Hirose. He's not even playing here. It's fine. Just go and get another Philip Ronick and let's ride the bus. <laughs> All right. So before I wrap things up here, I'll I'll ask you one more question to get to we'll get to the press conference. So tonight, after the two nothing win, it's easy to say the heroes, all these heroes were Thatcher Demko getting a shutout tonight, JT Miller, Elias Pedersen. Who was your unsung hero tonight for Vancouver in this victory? Oh, um, I mean, it's easy to probably, you know, it's easy to look at someone like Ian Cole, who um, lays out a big hit on Matt. I believe it was Matt Deshane, and then he fights Mason Marchment. Um, My unsung hero the last two games kind of has been the Canucks third line. I I believe it's before it's shuffled too much. The main pairing is Pia Suter and and Connor Garland uh, with Niels Hoaglander in there. I'm I've glad I'm glad they found the chemistry. I'm glad they've kind of, you know, PSU just find found some uh offensive kind of flair to his game. Um but yeah, I, I think them getting auxiliary scoring and not having to worry about constantly, you know, the stars being served. Every team would love that. The Canucks finally perhaps have, you know, a third line that can pitch in and um and kind of create that pressure release valve. So I'll give the unsung uh here to the third line tonight. No, that's great. You mentioned Pia Suter. He was a guy who I think, well, I remember that was the name that Orlov fans wanted to bring into Edmonton before he logged, logged me to Vancouver. That was the name I, that people wanted here. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. He thrived very well in Vancouver. His scores tonight. That's a guy who I think, again, Cubs fans should be happy to see what he's brought over the past couple of years here yep. to Vancouver. No, very happy to see Pia Suter playing well. So yep. let's wrap things up here. Game of Vancouver. We'll do the press conference, so please fire away your your love, your hate, your complaints, anything you want to get off your chest. Fire them towards a rash only. <laughs> do it, do it. I have emotional, as my girlfriend says, I have a great emotional capacity capacity to listen. So just 
go out my way. Let Avery just chill out and, I don't know. Just... <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I will know. take I'll take questions, too. But, again, over the past couple of games here for Vancouver, again, we've talked about all show long how the vibes are, have to be high with this team, thriving yep. in the Pacific Division, coming off a 10-1 victory, and then beating the <laughs> Dallas Stars at home, a very, uh, very strong Dallas Stars team Western Conference. And, again, like, again, I've watched hockey for a very long time. I've covered the NHL for quite some time. And seeing Canuck fans en masse, happy, jubilant, over the past five to six years has been a rare sight. <laughs> Can you see the smile on my face? Like, I listen, I, I understand that I have to, the biggest takeaway I had as I've kind of joined the low, mid-level media, whatever you want to call me, um, is that, you know, as as a person who, if you're a journalist, reporter, whomever, mm-hmm. is that you have to be as impartial as possible. Man, I can't stop myself from being so happy, not only for Canucks fans, let's say, such as my father, such as myself, but also the re- the rest of the province. I know what they've gone through. Um, I know, man, like you come in every season wanting to believe and wanting to hope for better days and nothing happens. And then they tell they don't want to use the word rebuild and they're trying to shove a new jersey in front of you to buy every day. And they're trying to just hawk all this stuff and no one's back checking and everyone's smashing sticks and no one can make a save. And you're trading picks just to get to wildcard two and you don't even get to wildcard two. And that's been happening forever. I'm just, I'm just happy that we have now. And I hope we also have the future, but we just got to live in the present. The present is good. Mm-hmm. I see a question here. It's actually an interesting um, comment here from last resort. Uh, 318. What nice. The- That's uh, is that a Papa Roach reference? <laughs> Sick. <laughs> oh my God! When is it? When is the change from this team being a good team that should be happy making the playoffs to this being to this might be one of the better teams in the league that should make a bit of a run? Can you repeat the first part of that? Yeah. When when is the change from this team being a good team that should be happy with making the playoffs? to this being a team that should make a bit of a run oh when should you know i mean the the big the big thing is american thanksgiving that's always the barometer of like listen when you're in around american thanksgiving that's a pretty good sign that you have a very good chance of making the playoffs um in terms of making a run i i think as soon as jan one hits and you see where this team is at then you can give that if they if they have earned the right for you to believe in them not only as a fan base, but as an organization, it's fine to go on a 10, 15 game heater, but this market is going to expect way more than that. They're going to expect you like, it's great how they've started. They they're going to expect you to give them a bit more of a sample size before we're able to just kind of hug and, and say, Hey, the past is past. And Jim, Jim Benning, who, whatever. I don't even know that guy. Um, to forget about all that stuff because the one thing with emotional baggage is that your pain comes earned and you as much as we want happiness we also don't want to let go of pain so easily especially if the organization in front of us is the one that has dealt it um so yeah i think i'm gonna say end of december if they're in a position man where they're the bumps are kind of smoothed out and it's here and far between 
I'm going to enjoy talking about uh, creative stuff this team can do to perhaps, you know, um, pad pad the defense, hopefully, and, and create some cap space and screw picks for a little while. Who knows? But we'll see. <laughs> You mentioned that Jan. You mentioned that January first thing. I like that. That should be when a team can look at things and say, "Okay, what are we? Are we actually for real?" Because I, I do believe this Canucks team is good enough to stay in Jan first, give the, mm-hmm. to hang around in division, still be top three in that division. Because we we've seen long enough. This division is chaos. This division oh, has yeah. always been chaos. This division is never set in stone in terms of who's going to be the playoff teams. I mean, really, the only the only certain team in this division is Vegas. Vegas, yeah, Vegas team. is Vegas is the only certain team right now, which is <laughs> this is it's nuts because we were we were we were all coming into this uh, season from a Canucks perspective, being like, okay, so we need one of Vegas, Edmonton, or Calgary to screw up, and lo and behold, it's like, oh, oh, it's us. Like, not that we're screwing up, but it's like, oh, we're we're in the. We're one of the top people. Like we're one of the marquee highlights of this division. Okay, this is interesting. Um, but yeah, mainly I'm mainly when we talk about January, it's that I think if you're Edmonton and uh, you figure it out by December, it's like okay, that's fine. It was a blip. We figured it out. With Vancouver, it's just like it's so hard to know what they are for the last decade, and if they can just prolong do this for a while and say, hey, we've 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 fi- we figured out trigonometry a little. We didn't get it, but we figured it out now. It's used for things. You know they can they can go ahead and uh, get the belief in the market back. Awesome. Couple more questions here. Andy L asks, "Sauce it or toss it? <laughs> Tossing out the first round pick for Tanev, Brandon, and or Chris?" <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, I, I believe this is Andy Lau, and Sauce and Toss It is a segment on our show. Um, listen, I've I've talked about this. Like, there is no greater wrong to right that this team could do than going out and getting Chris Tanev and bringing him back. Um, as people who, who might not know so much about previous Canucks history, um, you know, Elias Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes that team that went to the bubble referred to Chris Tanev as dad. And when the red wedding happened, where Foley, Tanev, Markstrom and Stetcher were all let go after that run, um, man, like the big talk in Vancouver right now is like, we love Hughes Heronic. Can we afford to split them up? No. Um, but hey, if you go and you get dad back and he's 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 expiring at four million, he's 34, you know, you can extend him for another two years and tell him like your position is just going to be Quinn Hughes's caddy, not caddy. Sorry, that's not the respect enough on Chris Tam, uh, to be a kind of his sidekick, like be his multiverse Batman to his Quinn Hughes's Batman. Um, you know, that that'd be a great story. And that'd be something that I think the entire team would rally around um, to bring warmth and like familiarity. I think that's the one great thing, Avery. I think when you're talking about the argument of. Um, yeah, a team's on a heater. Do we really make these changes and perhaps screw the chemistry? Familiarity is the one move you can make in situations like this that more than likely won't screw up the thing you've got going and Chris Tanev. I mean, listen, I love Brandon. He's great, but there's too many Fords in this 
organization. Um, but Chris Tanev, man, I just I I will sing it. I will sing it. I will sing it if they can somehow figure out a way to bring Dad back. All for it. Yeah, no, I've seen Canucks. Yeah, you mentioned familiarity. I've seen Canucks. Fan. He's one guy I've never seen a Canucks fan for the most part. Bash me is someone who I've seen a lot. He is very beloved. Let's see if we can find one more question here. I'm trying to see if we can find one more question here. Oh, here we go. One more here. Another one from Last Resort. Thoughts on Tyler Myers bounce back after that bad game and how he's performed the, after the past few games. <laughs> you know, Tyler okay. Myers, he's a hot button issue. Tyler Myers has been a uh, hot button topic among Canucks fans for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, full transparency, like my my Botford article was was on Tyler Myers. Yes. It was about him and his brother Quentin, who now plays for the New York Knicks. It's a great one piece, of the cool- by the way. It's a really cool article. Thank you. I mean, it's one of the things I wrote, like, I, I'm mainly more face to face and talking than, than a writer, but mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of fun writing it. But it, it's just, man, like when we talk about Tyler Myers, um, I I don't understand the hypocrisy, but like you refer to him as the chaos giraffe and then you complain when he does chaotic things. That's what chaos is. You don't get to choose what it is. It's just, it doesn't have a reason. It doesn't have a method. It is just, it is what it is. And when Tyler Myers goes and does amazing things, sometimes, listen, I, I've, I've, I've said this a lot uh, to fe- fellow people who, who listen to our show. Technically, Tyler Myers shouldn't exist. And I say this because he is 6'8". He skates like the wind. He is, when you think of a hockey player, you don't think of Tyler Myers. Like, Tyler Myers should be a power forward. Like, it, it just, you know, in, in the NBA, like, he should be playing with his brother. But he's putting on ice skates. He's skating majestically. He's he's um, he's doing all these things. And so, at the end of the day, is he paid way too much? I would argue yes. Um, but do I also think that he's in a position where he's been played... Um, overtly in in putting being put in positions where he's probably not being used to be at his most successful. Yeah. And at some point, like, listen, if someone offers you $6 million, if someone offered me $6 million to play hockey, I'd be like, listen, I'm going to suck, but I'm going to try my best. And if the best way to use someone like Tyler Myers at this stage of his career is like third pairing. And he has uh, someone like Ian Cole beside him, let's say, and, Tyler Myers is his his best stuff is um, his skating ability and his first pass, and he can just focus on those things. Um, we see kind of low event, more low event hockey from Tyler Myers, and we're not screaming off of our heads. But to kind of wrap a bow on it, I also never understood, um, like the awareness, like that he is chaotic. Yeah, like that's what you get. That's that's. But what you get when you put a player like that in in really high increasing positions, um, I wish him nothing but the best, man. He's 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 so nice, and I think like even if this year didn't go good or d- didn't go well, and let's say he's traded at the deadline to a contender, he can play on an everyday roster. He just needs to have tempered expectations of how he can be used. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. With that, we'll wrap things up here on game over. Vancouver, Arash, where can the people find you? Where can they find your work? Where can they find 
on the podcast good sir oh man okay yeah uh so i'm on a podcast called pucks on net it's one of vancouver's longest ho- uh standing Van- uh, vancouver uh based hockey podcast since i think 2013 with my co-host uh ryan Schapp and get ready you can find me at arashma marzadeh um i'm the guy with the aladdin photo and you can probably see that avery and i follow each other that'll be that'll help you out um you can find me on there find me on the show find me on places like uh game over and and uh other places when i'm doing little guest host bits but um yeah you can just you find me on the internet man i'm there (laughs) there you go and i want to say before i let you go your twitter profile picture last year of you superimposing the johnny canuck Oh was yeah, very, I that was very fun. I enjoyed that picture very much. Yeah, I mean, my yeah, someone made that for me, and I was like, you know what? Sure, sure, why not? I'll be known for this for a year, and then I got, I found the Aladdin photo. I'm like, okay, I feel like this is this is more reflective of how I feel. <laughs> oh my gosh! Anyways, all right, thank you all for tuning in, listening. And again, please subscribe to the SDPN YouTube channel. We'll listen to the podcast, share to all of the content, not just Vancouver, not just Edmonton. Listen to all of our hosts. We're one big happy group here that enjoys putting out these shows after games, talking about the Canadian franchises. And thank you to the Canucks fans for letting me come in here and invade for a night. You did, you did so good. <laughs> Thank you, Rash. Avery, you did so good waiting in enemy waters. You did fantastic. I, I appreciate that. But technically, Canucks fans, you're not done with me just quite yet because we're back here again on Monday night for a game over head-to-head. Edmonton, Vancouver, Ilbikaya and myself recapping that game on Monday. But until then, we are out of here. Enjoy your nights. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. I'm Avery and Arash. We are out of here. Have a good night. Peace. Game!